Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast. I'm here today with Stacy Sims, who says she's the world's worst diabetes mom. Welcome, Stacy. Hey, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, her book that we're going to be featuring today is called The World's Worst Diabetes Mom. And before we get into that book, Stacy, I want to talk a little bit about you. You were a uh, you were in radio for many years, right? Yeah, I worked at WBT right here in Charlotte for mm. 10 years Uh it's. I'm, I'm stopping because it's hard to believe. I worked there for 10 years, and I left at the very end of 2012. So it's been quite a while, although it seems mm. like yesterday. Mm. But I did mm. the morning show there for many years. Yeah, so chicken and egg question. The, the podcast or the book came first? It was the podcast, right? Oh, yeah, the podcast <laughs> came first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After I left uh, the, the radio station, I, I did a couple of different projects. And I've been a podcast listener for many, many, many years. I mean, since the early 2000s when you had to put your podcast on your iPod, right? Mm-hmm. You'd plug it mm-hmm. into the computer. And mm-hmm. so I was always looking for podcasts that interested me. And certainly diabetes is something that we're going to talk about and why. Um, and I, there, were, there are a bunch of diabetes podcasts out there, but nothing that was speaking to me from more of a news perspective because mm-hmm. that was my background. Mm-hmm. So I just started to start one. I did that in the summer of 2015. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's kind of changed along the way. And I, I love doing it, do it every week. And the book came out of that experience, uh, my blogging experience, and I speak to uh, diabetes groups a lot and, you know, talking about parents of kids with type 1 diabetes, which is what I am. 2006, your son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes uh, one month before he turned two, yeah. right? Yeah. That obviously was a big shock to you and your family. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It seemed to have come right out of the blue. We don't have a history of type 1 diabetes in our family. Um, he was so little. Mm. At the time, our pediatrician even said, you know, well, it looks like type 1. It's all the classic signs. But he's so little. Uh, bring it in and bring him in and we'll rule it out. Mm. And, of course, we, we brought him in and we ruled it in. And I've since learned that you can be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which used to be called juvenile diabetes, but you can be diagnosed with it at any age, from a baby to, mm. you know, 75 years old. It does not discriminate that way. So you started first blogging about this experience, um, really within a few weeks of getting the diagnosis right. I mean, you're overwhelmed. You've got all this being thrown at. And I'm going to ask you some of these questions as we go through this, but uh, you go from that experience to launching a podcast 
which is now an award-winning podcast. Congratulations. Why, thank you. (laughs) And then you wrote a book and became an author, the author of the world's worst diabetes month. And you received some awards, and uh, that'll all be in the show notes. But uh, I'd like to make an observation, listeners, having read your book, is that while we're going to be talking about type 1 diabetes and how families deal with this, in some ways what we're going to be talking about today could be helpful to families dealing with other chronic childhood illnesses, right? I mean, because things get thrown at you fast. Well, I, I think it could be almost any parent. I mean, what we're going to talk about today or you know, is this pursuit of perfection, which is something that, you know, is new in parenting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think my mother was that concerned with packing me the perfect lunch, mm-hmm. right? Making sure that my pictures were absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly there was no social media, so she wasn't worried about Instagram. But there seems to be this weird, over the last 10, maybe 15 years, this, this strange pressure that a lot of parents now feel, regardless of your child has a chronic condition, to really measure up to some standard that somebody set, nobody knows. Mm. There's all these new rules out there. And so this, in the chronic community, it can get even worse. But the overall picture is that parenting is changing. And mm. I, I think we need to kind of step up and say, no, mm. I'm, I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that, so you, you sort of... Uh before we get into the covers, I want to talk about the book co- book title itself, The World's Worth Diabetes Mom. You, you sort of wrapped your arms around this label, uh, almost like a badge of honor, right? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> so, so and, and I've read the book. I know the story. But tell us why. Why Why, why did you sort of you know, own, own sure. this title? Well, it goes to that perfect parenting nonsense. Um, when... When my son was diagnosed, social media really wasn't around. I mean, you mentioned 2006. It's hard to remember, Landis, but that's before the iPhone, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, mm. in the olden days when we right. had a BlackBerry yeah. and, and no Twitter or Facebook, but it really has changed things. And so being able to have a child diagnosed with type 1 before social media was very isolating, but it was also helpful in that we got to set our own agenda. Now there are so many Facebook groups and other communities online, which are great for support, but awful sometimes for judgment. Yeah, and you, and were, and you were being judged, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. So I'm in this Facebook group, and somebody had asked for advice, and I gave an opinion, and somebody disagreed, and he wasn't very nice about it. And then, like a dummy, I wasn't nice about it. I engaged, which you should never do. And he ended up, you know, you're going to hurt your child. This is terrible. You know, you're... And I said, and I wrote it. I said, I must be the world's worst diabetes mom. And I slammed down my computer. And then I thought two things. I thought, this is really bad. You have to go back and delete that conversation. And I did. But the second thought was, Stacy, that's it. Because I'd been working on this book for a while. And it was going nowhere. It was... I don't know if I'm allowed to say things like this about my own book. It was really boring. <laughs> it was really boring. Yeah. It was just very cut and dried, old blog posts. And this way, it really got to what I was trying to say. By grabbing that title of I'm the world's worst diabetes mom, it cut to the chase. And when I say that to people, everybody always says back, no, no, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. And I really think I hit something. Okay, so uh, you're the worst. <laughs> We've established that. Uh, and your book title, um, on the cover of this book here, before we get under the covers, let's talk about the book cover. Um, there's sort of a, I don't know, it's, is that a caricature of you? <laughs> <laughs> let's say it's the Disney princess version caricature. The, the Disney princess version. Uh, and and the, 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 the person who looks a little bit like you at, uh, in front of a microphone, right? You were a talker before you were a writer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so this is sort of symbolizes that, right? Right. right. 
And you were talking um, for so many years about this that you decided, okay, I've got a lot to say. Maybe I'll try it in a different medium. And so you went to a book. Right. right. Well, you know, podcast people are, are wonderful and super loyal and really engaged. But with a book, I felt like I, I could take what I was talking about and reach more people and reach mm-hmm. perhaps a different mm-hmm. audience or overlap. But we had to put the microphone on the cover because we talked about, you know, you, you've you done this before, I'm sure. You know, who are you? What do you boil down to? Right, what do right. you like to do? Yeah. And we threw out funny ideas like, I'm in a minivan. I'm throwing juice boxes at my kid. You know, do we have a blood sugar meter on the cover and it just boiled down to this picture of me and I love the expression on my face if I can say that it's like this bemused but you know kind of eye rolling slightly Um, but we did go back and forth I just noticed too that you got the the line that's probably going from the microphone to the digital recorder you're you're clenching it and your (laughs) your forefinger and your thumb as if maybe okay we're going to stop that particular sound that's going (laughs) (laughs) I actually think that might be a nod the people at Spark Publications who did this you know I play with my hair a lot and I Uh touch my hair and I twist it a lot I think that might be a nod to that but we went back and forth because I wanted them to to make me look older okay so you ready to get under the covers I'm ready I'm ready but I just gotta say but they they won so I look like a Disney princess okay Okay. if you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice because when you leave a review it helps authors reach more listeners you can keep up with news about the show and member only content for our member supporters by joining our email list We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me, the first book in the Christmas Courtroom Trilogy. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so we're into the book now. Uh, The nature of this book... um, it's sort of parenting, health, and parenting advice, but it's also sort of a memoir, too, I mean, because you're telling your story, right? Yeah. Because you start out, as I'm reading the book, you know, literally, you're, you're, you're kind of giving this advice through some of your own experiences, and, and you've already alluded to the fact that perfection is not an option, and yeah. you talk about your own mistakes and mishaps and how they can become a parent's secret superpower, and I guess my question to you is, how do these mistakes become your superpower? Wow. You know... I think it's a matter of allowing yourself to make mistakes. You know, we, we hear all the time, you know, you've got to fall down and then you get up stronger, you know, break you down to build you up. But we're all really afraid to do that. You have to make the mistake in order to learn from it. You mm-hmm. have to realize that this can go wrong and I'm going to be okay. Whether it's losing your insulin pump because you took it off to play football in the neighbor's yard and then your mom has to go out with you at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night to find it. And Which then, is something that actually happened. Yeah. You talk about it. <laughs> Yes. And then you you recover from that and you find the pump and you say, well, maybe next time you should put the pump in the mailbox or maybe not take it off at all. But, you know, little things like that. On the first night we were home, I made the huge mistake of I checked my son's blood sugar and then I tried to leave the room because I didn't want to give him an insulin shot. He was this tiny little kid in his crib. And I made the mistake of magical thinking. It's going to be okay. I don't really need to do this. And I tried to leave the room. And realizing that gave me the strength next time to do it. But I think we're really fearful to make mistakes. So I'm hoping that by sharing the time we went tubing and I thought maybe we forgot the insulin, we didn't. But little things like that, by sharing these stories, it gives people 
the idea that it's okay to make mistakes and your child is resilient and you're going to be okay. And then you can learn from it. If you don't make the mistake, you never learn from it. And I think that's the secret. And if, if you shelter your child too much, diabetes or not, mm-hmm. you don't give them the opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them. So I'm listening to you, and it's one thing to make uh, mistakes if you're you know, trying to learn to ride a bicycle or you're <laughs> trying to write your first book. But when you've got, uh, you know, if you go too low, um, really low, it, it could kill you. And then if you go too high, you can, organs can sh- shut down. I think I'm learning some of this. And so... Yeah, it's one thing to say I'm going to be not worry about making these mistakes, but I guess my question is sort of do you have to strike sort of a balance because you've got to find maybe not perfection but a balance enough so that your child is safe yeah, and healthy. absolutely, and I go through that right in the beginning of the book is that you have to be safe. Um, my, one of my favorite metaphors is a picture of my son. He's about three years old, and he's flying off the side of a boat into Lake Norman. And he's just, there's no, doesn't look like there's any adults around him. He's this little kid and he's flying, he's airborne, but he's got a really good life preserver on. Mm -hmm. He's got a big vest on. Mm -hmm. And that's my diabetes philosophy. Get him safe, get him prepared, throw him in. Uh, What about all the opinions and advice out there? Because you, this led you to become the world's worst. Oh, people are already mad at me listening to this show that I threw him off the boat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, so how do, I guess it's sort of a different kind of question. You, you, you go to the hospital, and I, I talked to a friend who had this experience with his child, and suddenly your world is turned upside down. There are people coming in the room. They're showing you how to give injections. They're giving you charts. They're showing you what blood sugar is. Suddenly, you've got to leave after three days and start <laughs> dealing. First of all, it's a shock. And, and second of all, you're trying to sort of figure out this. And then so where do you go to answer? You go to the Internet. You go where, How do you distill all this advice and, and do what needs to be done to keep your child safe and healthy? Well, I think you have to decide right away what, how are we going to tackle this as a family. And you can decide, my child is on death's door. And you can decide diabetes is now going to be a, 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 you know, a weight around my child and around this family. We're going to give up everything we did before. We're going to completely change our lives. And we're, we're not going to let him play sports. We're not going to let him go in overnights. We're not going to let him grow up. And you can decide that. Or you can decide, look, this is really hard. This is really tough. And diabetes will stop us sometimes. There is no doubt. But we're going to look at the examples around us. And I was so lucky to meet people like this in the beginning of adults living great lives with type 1, of kids living happy lives with type 1. And we're going to know that, as to your comment a moment ago about going low or high, kids are not dropping dead on the soccer field of low Mm -hmm. blood sugar. Mm -hmm. It's extremely rare for someone to die of low blood sugar. Does it happen? Of course. You mentioned a soccer player, (laughs) a national, I don't know what they call it. Nacho, Nacho (laughs) the footballer, yes. I was listening to your podcast. (laughs) All right, look, we're going to have a little read now because we always do this in Charlotte River's podcast. And you're going to read from a uh, section of the book that's uh, called The Pressure to Be Perfect. As I say on the podcast, before I let you go, let's talk about one more thing. After reading this book, you know I don't believe in the pursuit of diabetes perfection. Even so, I'm still surprised at how many people expect it, who strive for it and feel guilt or shame because they feel they don't measure up. We were lucky, our endo told us right away, that T1D management is just as much art as science. Over the years, I've come up with my own philosophy about Benny's diabetes care. Don't worry about perfect. Go for safe and happy. Do I love my child? Am I doing my best? Is he happy? Is our endo happy? Yes? Well, then let's keep working in that right direction. 
I've shared that thought with parents who've then burst into tears. That's not a joke. The realization that a happy, healthy child is enough can be a revelation. There is so much pressure right now for straight CGM lines and for amazing A1Cs that I worry we may lose sight that we're raising children, not numbers. My kid is an athlete, a goofball, a friend, a student, a gamer, not a 6.1 or a 7.5 or a 9.4. When we share A1Cs or post pictures of flat CGM lines, what's the message? It can be great. Hey, look how I'm doing in this hard-fought battle. Celebrate with me. Or it can be a bit clueless. Wow, look at my amazing five-year-old. We've got this figured out forever. That was me, by the way. Puberty is a bit humbling. It can even be dangerous. Our way is the only way. I don't know anything about you, but if you're not managing my way, you're doing it wrong. I stopped posting Benny's A1Cs a long time ago, mostly because it's not my information to share, and I don't want to leave a long trail of medical information on the internet. But I also stopped because when I left the actual number out, something amazing happened. More people responded, were encouraging, and shared their own stories and feelings. Parenting with diabetes is difficult, in part because parenting is difficult. We all do this in our own way. What works for me may horrify you. Unlike those energetic moms on Pinterest, I will never turn my kids' lunches into works of art. While diabetes parent conversations are less about cutting sandwiches into fancy shapes, there still seems to be a competition over who can out-parent. Night checks, remote monitoring, what pump to use, what to do at school. Talking about these issues can sometimes feel like wading into a minefield. All right, Stacey, thanks for that reading. Um, I was going to ask you about you know, what your son thinks about you talking about him. You alluded to that in the reading here, talking about him. And I, I listened to your podcast all the way to the end because I like listening to the end of some podcasts, see what happens. At the very end, there's this boy's voice that says, all rights reserved, all wrongs avenged. Is, is that your son? <laughs> that is my son. <laughs> okay. And that silly thing comes from when I was a long time ago, when I was yeah. at summer camp. I loved it. <laughs> we used to say that. I had a radio station. Like I don't yeah. even remember, like a turntable and a, who knows, yeah. a tape deck. Yeah back in the olden days, but we used to say that all the time. So, so yeah, and his voice has changed so much since we had rec- okay. recorded him. I do have, before the, the writing life real quick, a couple of quick questions. Uh, one, it seems that children will take their cues from their parents. And one of the things that uh, with all the anxiety that children face, you add something like this where they've got to constantly monitor themselves. What's your advice to parents about how to model, I don't know if the right what the right word is, but model sort of a neutral, balanced approach so that the kid doesn't see fear in your eyes every time something happens. Yeah, I think at at the beginning, it can be as simple as, especially if you have a small child, you know, you don't want to show all of this overwhelming emotion in front of them. But as they're older, and you know, kids are diagnosed, people are diagnosed with type 1 at any age. So, you know, you have to think about this in an age-appropriate way. I actually do a whole talk on this. Mm -hmm. And And we don't have time for a whole talk. (laughs) I brought my power. Point, Landis, come on. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that next time. <laughs> but in, in a nutshell, <laughs> yeah. as we talk about many, many things, and one I'll give you a quick example is fire safety, yeah. right? When we talk about fire safety with kids, we talk about make a plan, right? Talk to your parents and you know communicate, and then you'll get out of the house. We'll all meet up together. We do not show them pictures of burning bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in parenting, I think we have to find ways to give our children the tools mm. to have, you know, proactive, 
this is what you do. This is how you stay healthy. We're in this together. I'm here to support you. Mm -hmm. Yes, this stinks. And be honest about it. But take your fears as a parent. Take your fears to your healthcare provider. Gotcha. That makes sense. Talk to them about it. Quick, a couple of writing life sections. You've always been a talker. What was the most difficult thing about writing this book? (laughs) 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 The most difficult thing was finding that, I hate to call it a hook, but finding that focus. Mm. Before that, I was trying to put blog posts together and really, I wanted to do a parenting advice book because I didn't have one that spoke to me and my parenting philosophy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it didn't go anywhere. There wasn't a reason to write it because there's some wonderful medical books out there. And as a Mm -hmm. lay person, I have to be careful. Mm -hmm. But once I found out what I wanted to do and figured out that it was all about mistakes, (laughs) it was a piece of cake. I mean, it really just rolled out of me. And and that that honesty, they say you should have it in memoir and you work that in. Um, Was it somewhat therapeutic for you to, to write this book, to get this on paper? And you're being helpful to others. You're telling them, you're revealing to the world all the things you screwed up <laughs> doing. But was it helpful to you? It was incredibly helpful to me. It's interesting because when I wrote it, I wasn't thinking emotionally. I just wrote it. And I talked to my kids, both of my kids. I have an older daughter as well. Can I share this story? What do you think about this? And they kept saying, it just makes you look bad, mom. Mm-hmm. But the emotion came from me. I, I have an audiobook version. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, that's for some reason that was incredibly therapeutic to me and I got extremely emotional it took mm. me a while to get through some of the chapters it was right. wild yeah. did not expect that because it's it's the ride is never over right I mean you're yeah. you start you get the diagnosis and it's a lifetime and at some point okay this is a question um, that a friend of mine and I'll give I didn't come up with this but I think it's a great question what are some of the positives for the parent and the child of having this disease Ugh. What are the positives? The only positive, well, there's a couple. I would say our relationship is wonderful in mm-hmm. part. We're closer. Mm-hmm. We were physically closer when he was smaller. Mm-hmm. I mean, the downside of this, we were physically closer because so I could stab him mm-hmm. with things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also think the relationships I've made, I mean, the best part about the diabetes community is that it is you, you, just full of people with incredible empathy. Everyone is willing to help. Everyone seems to take on a role, whether it's getting behind a microphone or connecting people mm-hmm. or you're an engineer. So now you're going to hack white hat, hack a code thing that's going to help everybody else, which mm-hmm. is a whole other story altogether. But everybody seems to really engage and take part. There's very few people in the diabetes community, parents at least, who do not raise their hand and step up and help other people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that anybody would want this. Disease. No, I hear you. But, but, but I, a couple of answers that he heard at this conference, one, one person said, it helps the child develop self-reliance because at some point they're going to leave home and they're going to have to take care of this, right, on their own. And they also learn how to eat healthy and learn other things that maybe some people don't ever learn, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? So anyway, uh, so last writing life question, what has writing this book meant to you in your personal journey, um, not just as a writer, but uh, for yourself personally? This might be a weird answer because obviously I think when we write, we grow, we learn, Mm -hmm. we flex muscles that we haven't used before. It's incredibly isolating, but also rewarding. But can I be honest and say, it's also given me a weird legitimacy. I mean, I'm the same person I was before I wrote this book, but it seems, I don't know, maybe all authors think this or find this out and don't say this. Mm. It's almost like now I know what I'm talking about. Mm. It's so Mm. funny because I'm, I, 
had this information before. I've been doing the podcast for a long time. I've been speaking. But now that you have a book, you're legitimate, which I think is really interesting. I don't know. That's a, maybe for a whole topic for a show for another time. Yeah. But, but certainly for me, it, it allowed me to really crystallize some of my philosophies and help me look at even look at my son's diabetes, even though now he's 15 and largely self-reliant mm-hmm. in different ways and be careful and cognizant of, of helping him in ways that I couldn't when he was two years old. And does he come on the podcast from time to time? He does. Does he, he like that? He does. He, he might have, I think he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's hope so. You're going to find out after he listens to this, if, if he does listen to this. Yeah. And, yeah, I think he's happy to just come on and say his piece. Yeah, and uh, so what's next in the podcast and book world for Stacey Sims? Gosh, isn't that the question? I actually have um, two ebooks that I'm working mm-hmm. on. Um, I hope to be released this one this summer, one this fall. And those are based on transcriptions from the podcast. I'd have two separate projects. One is very general information interviews. I usually talk to people about their experience with type one, but I did a bunch of interviews about basic information. What are ketones? What is low blood sugar? Right. How, you know, what are the, what's the newest yeah, diet? You used to term, I didn't know, BOLA, and I was trying to figure out. BOLUS? What, a BOLUS? Yeah, what is, what is that? You know? BOLUS just means giving medication in, okay, in okay, a form. Okay. So, you know, your BOLUS yeah. insulin. I had to get out insulin. my dictionary. You actually get your book out to look and see. It's a whole different language. You talked yeah. about the learning curve. They right. keep you in the hospital for three right. days. Yeah. It's crazy how much you have to learn. Yeah. So, okay. So you get, you're going to keep, keep on talking. You're gonna keep, <laughs> I don't know that I could stop if I wanted to. Yeah, and you put it out every week, the podcast? Podcast or? is weekly. I started yeah. some shorter episodes this year, so it's now twice weekly. We'll see if I can keep that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so any uh, any parting advice for a uh, for parents who, you know, find themselves in the very difficult situation of getting a diagnosis, whether the child is 2, 5, 10, 12, yeah. whatever, um, any, any thoughts on on what, what to do? I would say, especially with diabetes, this generation is, I don't want to use the word lucky, but is luckier than previous generations. People were told in the 1990s, you're, you're going to have to drop out of college. You can't play sports. You know, your life is over. Go home and wait to be blind. I know people who were told this in mm. the 90s. Mm. And our kids are not told that. They are told... You, and it's because it's true. You can live a long and healthy life with type mm-hmm. 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So my advice to parents is find the people who overcame those odds. There are people with type 1 diabetes, and all it takes is a Google, who work at NASA, who are Miss America pageant mm-hmm. winners, mm-hmm. who are, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about all my podcast guests, professional athletes, actors, you know, business people. You know, there's a guy working a boring job at an office who has mm-hmm. type 1, who has a very successful life, just mm-hmm. as good of a role model as the guy who climbed Mount Everest with type 1 diabetes. Right. Yeah. Search those people out. But I'll guess that that's more for the parents, because the kids today with type 1 who are diagnosed, generally, unless we tell them otherwise, they're not slowing down. Mm-hmm. We as parents, I think, need more reassurance so we can give that to them. Yeah. But seek out those success stories. And if you're hearing negativity or you're hearing fear, don't go to Facebook. Go to your healthcare provider and said, I heard this. This is worrying me. What is the real deal? Let them tell you. Don't let a, a well-meaning person in a Facebook yeah. group scare you. Yeah. Good advice no matter what uh, you're yeah. doing, whether, <laughs> whether it's type 1 diabetes or some other chronic illness um so hey stacy thanks so much listeners there's going to be information in the show notes about stacy and links uh, to her podcast and to her book and all that kind of stacy thanks for being on the show thank you so much for the opportunity it was mm-hmm. great to talk to you well that's it for today 
another fine author giving voice to their written work. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me, or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions? You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.